Hey guys, and welcome back to Frontboards and Four Baggers, episode 23. I'm Eddie with Cornhole Bag Reviews, and today Corbin got pulled in by work again, so he's unable to join me. But I do have a special guest. I got David Morse. We got the Ultra Team Pro. Dave, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course, man. I appreciate you joining me. So, Ultra, man, you, you've been. I, I met you a little bit at the Iowa Open. You guys are. You've been throwing great, throwing with Noel Monza this year, and and you've been really loving the Viper bees. And, and we'll get into that in a sec. Cause you know, I'm the bag review guy. So I really wanted to like Viper bees and I've been trying to like them. And I'll tell you what, I like them when the boards are like lightning because it's like, it's slow enough. Uh, because I would say these play like a four, eight, like a little slower than a surefire. It could be cause it's so big, but this material is a little bit slow. And, uh, anybody out there, you could find them for like 95 bucks plus shipping. Whenever they do drops, they've been doing drops pretty regularly and they, they keep in that price for a good amount of time. So what about this bag is, is really kind of been your go-to this year? I think it just does a little bit of everything. I mean, I like a slower bag. You know, I used to throw carpet this past year. So it's transition into ultra. I want to find something slower. Um, with the Viper B, like I said, it can do a little bit of everything. It's, it's a slow bag, but it's still forgiving around the hole. And there's not many slow bags that are forgiving around the hole. Sure. And I think the Viper Bs does a great job for that. You know, it's, it's like a surefire sticky side with a pretty fast slick side. Um, I'd say it starts off really fast, like probably closer to nine, but it does get a little fuzzy and wears down. So it's probably like a seven or eight by the time it, it really wears down. Um, but at the same time, like the fill's a little bouncier than like a surefire. I think you can roll these a little more. You can mm-hmm. cut them a little bit more. And I think they're way more forgiving around the hole. Um, it's got a bigger template. It's easier to push. It, it grabs the hole more. And it's just more forgiving, I think, for it. for like a slow bag. It really is more forgiving. And you can do a lot of stuff with it. Yeah, I've definitely seen you roll this bag. I, I, and going, I mean, most ultra is not known for a roll bag, right? Like if you think of exactly. any, any ultra players, you're thinking psychos, vipers, viper C's. You're not thinking, you know, roll shots. So I, I know for this bag, I, I would say I can cut this bag super easily. It grips and cuts like crazy. Mm-hmm. I would say I need to get mine. Mine are getting pretty broken in, but I think I need them a little bit more broken in. They still hang up just a tad, but collects, I totally agree with that. I mean, they're they're a big bag. There's a reason that the Game Changer is so popular. It's the same fast side as the Game Changer with that huge template. You can just grab yep. stuff that shouldn't be able to be grabbed, you know, sneak them around the hole, that kind of thing. Um, so it is cool that Viper, and I mean, yes, or Ultra, but yes, they just came out with the Widow B, so now they're dabbling into a newer carpet scene. So we'll see how those um, those work once you get those in your hands and everyone gets those in their hands. Yeah, I'm excited for those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but this is the only bag right now that I would say probably is rollable. I mean, maybe that Widow X, but that material doesn't really like to jump too much. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you on that on the fill thing. So for anybody that doesn't know, Vi- Ultra kind of has different fills sometimes, right? Like they have some that have disc fill, some that have bead fill. I don't necessarily know when they change, but but sometimes they do. These have at least these lemonades I have have that bead fill, which makes them a little bouncier, a little a uh, little easier to do that cut and jump action. Um, but overall, I can understand why you like it. I think, and it's funny, me and you had a conversation in Iowa that you said you had a bag that was perfect and you actually got them too broken in, you said. And, yeah. and, and when you said you got them too broken in, like most people don't think that's possible. So what did you lose when you kind of nuked them? They just got too floppy. They got too loose. So when I was going to push bags, a lot of the time they were pushing and flipping over or they, sure. they would flip flip on the hole, flip over and just hang up around the hole. They got almost too bouncy 
Um, the cuts were still good. Just like, I think I lost a lot of my pushing ability just because they got so loose and floppy that they just naturally want to bounce. Um, so the ones I'm using now, I, I took like a longer period to break them and just slowly broke them in. And I think they're, they've stayed at that, that nice little area for a longer period. Yeah. And I know I reached out to you when I wanted to break in, in mine and you said that you, you wash yours with soap, then leave the soap in and then boil it with the soap in for about 10 minutes, I believe. And then you take it out yeah. and dry it. Um, I mean, they turn out great because I think it keeps that nice full feel to them. That's what the perk mm-hmm. of boiling. I know some people really like boiling. Some people are afraid to do it. I've found that when you boil, it keeps that nice full feel to it. It doesn't make it kind of like soften. The softener really loops it up really quick. Yeah. Um, so I can definitely see how, and then throwing it from there, I'm sure you've just been throwing the crap yes. out of them. Yeah. Nuked. I mean, like I, I, in a perfect scenario, I would love just to break bags in just throwing them. Yeah, but me too. You get, you get too many bags. It takes too long time and you know, not <laughs> people aren't patient enough. Yeah. So, dude, I, yeah. I, mean, I tell people all the time, like if you want your bag reviewed faster, send me a set that's already destroyed. Cause it's going to take me a while to get those things ready to go. Yes. Man. And, uh, and the hard part is once you get a bag perfect, like thrown perfect, right? Cause you felt bags that have been thrown to break in the beads, start to get smoother, that kind of thing. It's really hard to get off that bag. Cause you know how long it takes to get it there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get rid of that. Sure. Yeah. But well, I couldn't have an ultra pro on and not talk about the most popular ultra bag that exists, which is the Viper. These are series Vipers, which are slightly different than the new Vipers. I mean, these are unfair, but why do you think the Viper is the most popular bag? Do you think just because it's the most hemp friendly? I mean, it feels best in hand. Like, why does everyone love the Viper? I, I think it's a little bit of everything that you just said, and I completely agree. I, I wouldn't just be saying this because I'm sponsored by Ultra. I think all, Viper is probably the most popular bag and probably one of the best bags ever made. So I agree with all that. I, I think it's it can do a lot of everything. It, it's, it's definitely a fast and faster bag. It's slick and slick. Um, but if you want it to slow down, you can dirty them up and slow oh, yeah. them down enough. Um, they're super forgiving around the hole. They're easy to push. They're easy. They're, they're, I guess on the smaller side and they, they can get thinner as well. So like they could sneak in, um, you know, fit in the small areas for airmails, um, sneak around bags, you know, fit in those tight holes. And I, I think they just can do everything. And, and like, although it can do everything, it can do everything even better than most other bags out there. And I would say series Vipers are in a league of their own where I would only compare yeah. them to like original cat threes and like gen one game changers, I think are all kind of like that, like unfair level of cheater bag where they do stuff they yeah. shouldn't do. Um, and, and to your point, I mean, my Vipers at least, and I know some people are hit or miss on the dots and I didn't bring that up about the Viper B. I think that's the reason the Viper B has been really popular. I think people like that. It doesn't have the dots because the dots, the dots are like, they're a cool gimmicks, the wrong way to put it. They're a cool thing to have. And I think they like do slow down the bag, but you talk to most people, their first response is, Oh, once you wear the dots off, they'll play awesome. Right. Where yeah. it's like, they kind of want them to wear down a little bit, but my, these Vipers, at least I can play these like a five, six speed. Like they don't, they're not lightning fast for me. Uh, that fast side is lightning fast though. Faster than yeah. the Viper. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy fast. But I mean, like you said, I mean like to push one of these bags, you can miss half the bag and just touch it. And they both sneak in. Like yeah. you, you really don't have to. I mean, the reason that I think they're so popular, same with gen one game changers, you don't have to be flat. You don't have to really yeah. be that accurate. Uh, you like, it seems like no matter how you throw the bag, it wants to cut the direction it's supposed to cut. 
Like, and it's going to grab that hole. It's yeah. going to fall in. It will come back into play. Oh yeah. You know, if you however. miss past the hole, it's coming back down. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it is ridiculous. But I mean, they're popular for a reason. Um, you know, they don't they don't. I'd say there is some differences between the the lines. So make sure you know what you're getting because you got Gen ones versus Gen nines versus pre stamp versus stamp versus you know. There's so many different Viper lines at this point. But I mean, they're popular for a reason and they're going to hold value for a reason. Everybody seems to want them. They sell fast no matter what version you got everybody oh, wants yeah. to try out some vipers so and um, people are paying big money for them too so oh yeah but on, on yeah. the uh to give ultra props they have been dropping bags like crazy they have so many lines but i mean they just released those pink panthera vipers for 95 bucks plus shipping like mm -hmm. they're trying to make uh newer versions more accessible which i can appreciate and so if you guys are out there and you're like i don't want to pay 160 bucks for vipers 140 bucks for vipers just wait they'll do another drop yep. at some point and uh and and they and i love what they've been doing with designs now they've always been simplistic always been basic colors flat colors and now they're finally bringing in some you know swirls or some different colorways and stuff and i i like what they're doing with that so um big shout out to uh to ultra for doing that but let's get into uh your backstory a little bit as a cornell player so how did you uh get into cornell originally so I started playing, you know, during summer vacation every summer. Just uh, we have a lake house and we would play with our neighbors and family and friends up there. Um, you know, it would be my brothers and then a couple of our neighbors. We thought we were pretty good. So we <laughs> saw some tournaments, you know, just uh, online or, you know, passing by like flyers. And we entered a couple of them and we did half decent. Uh, when I say half decent, you know, like out of 30 teams, we're finishing in the top 10. Okay. Um, we started to see some of the same people. I mean, and this is an Ohio, PA, New York area. Um, so you run into like people. I was running into Stacia Pugh, Christine Papke, Adam Hissner, Jeff Reynolds, you know, a lot of people that have been around for a long time. And they start saying like, hey, you're pretty good. Like we play in tournaments, we play in leagues. Like, do you ever play in anything else? We're like, no, that we play in our backyard. You know, we play whatever at the lake. So I started joining some of their leagues and then that was still just summer. I would play during the summer. I wouldn't touch a bag till the next summer. Um, they finally convinced me to, you know, start playing a little bit more year round. Um, so kind of just slowly took off from there. See, it's funny too, because that story is very different than most people's stories, which is I played backyard. I went to an event and got my ass whooped. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. what is this? But you seem to be like, I mean, decently competent from the start i think a lot of and people talk about this a lot but i think cornhole is so much mental game i think if you're a confident yeah. player if you've been an athlete in the past if you're used to like just like being focused and like consistent about things it's easy to get good and good quickly in this game because it's all yeah. about consistency and if you look at people at the highest level it's it's a lot of mental game i mean it's just about consistency for 10 plus hours straight you know that kind of thing so yeah and i mean we we pretty much taught ourselves i mean we just were playing amongst ourselves all slowly getting better you know we, we taught how we threw ourselves you know the bags we used was all by ourselves i mean granted this was eight, nine years ago. So like, it wasn't as big as it was now. Um, and we would go to these tournaments and people are good, you know, like they don't miss. And, and my, that's kind of what scared my brother and my friends away because they're like, we don't like having to put every bag in the hole. We like being able to goof around and miss a bag here or there or whatever, sure. not take it as serious and concentrate. And I, I didn't care. I, do, I just wanted to win, you know? Yeah. No. And so, I mean, you brought up a little bit of the pros going, going around. So do you think, I mean, did your area really foster that good competition, good teaching thing for you when you were starting? Um, 
Yes, once I got into it. I mean, at first it was just, you know, friends and family and, and we got good amongst ourselves. And when I would go play with them, I would still play with my friends or family. So like we didn't have a fighting chance against, you know, the top pros. Um, but once I, I stopped playing with them and started playing with, you know, the other pros or, you know, top players from the area, then yes, I think it definitely, I mean, Dave Weiser was running the tournaments and he's been doing it for, you know, since the beginning. And, you know, just being around people like him and Adam Hisner and some of those players, um, you know, Stacia Pugh, I give a lot of credit to her as well. Um, just playing with them and seeing what they did, you know, in the leagues in the local area. And then they could go to the national scale and be successful there. Like, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty well against them here. You know, why can't I, you know, focus a little bit more, you know, practice a little more and, and get to that level. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, people talk about it all the time. If you want to get better, find the best players in your area and play with them because that's how you're going to get better yep. all the time. I mean, it's just being around people that don't miss and or or people that can tell you when you're doing something wrong or, or teach you in, in a lot quicker manner, you know. So what made you want to go pro? Like, when did you kind of know you wanted to go pro? When did you think it could be something you could do? I think it's just my competitive nature. I mean, I, I've just been competitive my whole life. Um didn't necessarily be cornal and you know you could tell me you know if you want to be a top player let's say you're really good at anything like water skiing or something i would if i if i was really good at it i would follow it i mean i'm just i'm just competitive sure. um I, it's just a pretty awesome to say like you know you're one of the top players in the country or world or something at any specific thing and any tournament you go to you're playing against other top players in the world you know it's not just you know, I played hockey my whole life. I'm not like going to a beer league, playing intramural hockey. That doesn't do anything for me. You know, like doing a Wednesday night, doing a Wednesday night league. What, what does that get you? Cool. You know, it's, it's nice to say you're, you're at the top of something and you're playing against other top players in the world and being competitive with it. We'll get into this a little bit later, but also, but so are you able to, let's say you go somewhere, you go to somebody's house, you go do something. Can you play games for fun or do you, are you the type of guy that's like, all right, cash got to be on the line. Tournament's got to be on the line. Something's got to be on the line for you to actually want to try. I, I can play for fun. It's, it's, (laughs) it's not fun for me. Just like, it's not fun. Like, honestly, I don't want to go play against them because I feel bad. Like, I don't want to just, no, I mean, like, know, let's say you go to, and, you play other advanced players, but you're just at an event and someone's like, Hey, do you want to like play a game? Will you just play the corner? Will you play Cornell for fun? Or are you more so like, all right, money's got to be on the line. Something's got to be getting me. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it, it, I, I, I can play that for fun for sure. I okay. mean, if, 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 if it's, you know, catching my interest and I actually have to focus on it, and be competitive, then yes, I, I can do it. Okay. Um, I I would enjoy it more if there was money or something <laughs> on the line for sure. That there would make, that will definitely make me focus a little bit more and sure. catch my attention. But um, you know, if there's another top player here, or someone else that's like wanting to get better, I I would rather play a game with them than you know just shoot airmails or something. You know. Sure. Um, what was your path to pro? Like once you kind of decided it was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm getting good at this. I'm competitive at this. You know, what were, what were kind of the stepping stones for you when you got into it? So, I mean, when I first started getting good, um, was before there was like a pro division and I, I just decided I wanted to dedicate myself. You know, I, I started practicing anywhere from two to four hours a day, probably five days a week. Um, I would go over to a guy's house in Columbus. I, I was in college at the time or just graduating from college. I went to Ohio State. 
Um, and there was a guy that had a facility in his backyard. He built like a big barn in his backyard. You could fit two boards and a set of airmail boxes. I would go over there, you know, five days a week and we would play anywhere from seven to 10 games a night, um, along with like one or two airmail games. And we did that for about six to eight months. And I, I mean, I just saw my skill level skyrocket during that time. Um, and like right after that was when the pro division came came along and they, they offered me a spot in the, you know, the first pro division and I accepted it. Oh, cool. So, I mean, you've been a pro for a while. What, what, when you're being a pro, like how much are you traveling? And, and I guess like this weekend you're playing in a regional next weekend, you got some stuff going on, but between, you know, opens, local tournaments, regionals, you know, nationals. I mean, is this an every weekend thing, four or five days a week? Like how, what, what is the schedule looking like? Um, weekends, it's probably, I mean, I, I try to get at least one or two weekends off a month. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's traveling every weekend. Um, at least locally. I mean, I, I'm in Chicago and I'm lucky that there's so many tournaments in the area. I mean, Michigan's two hours away, Wisconsin's an hour away, Indiana's 45 minutes away. Um, and then you can obviously all of Chicago area. So I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I can travel to all those tournaments. When I, when I first moved to Chicago, the ACL wasn't that big then. Um, and there were so many cash tournaments in here. I spent almost every weekend just traveling around playing cash tournaments. I kind of miss that because now my time's taken up by regionals or opens or, you know, shootouts are upcoming. So I don't get as many of those cash tournaments in anymore that I would like to, but I mean, if it, it, let's say there's nothing ACL related going on in the weekend, I would have five to 10 other tournaments to choose from within the Chicago area. Wow. That's within a two, two and a half hour driving distance. So, and Minnesota is very similar to that the 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 pre ACL days that you were in, which is yeah. we don't really have any ACL that comes in our area. The closest we get's like we had the Iowa one that I was at, or we get some ACO here and there, but like almost nothing else. So Minnesota is very much we have a lot of really good players, but it's all just we all travel play cash because it's just it's just that's like we don't that's have exactly how it was when I first moved up here, and it was the opposite in Ohio. When I moved from Ohio to Chicago. Ohio was all ACO and ACL. There was hardly any cash tournaments. Wow. So when I was moving up to Chicago, it was just like, it just was eye opening. Like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, there's no ACL here. <laughs> it's all cash tournaments. I'm not used to that because, like I said, there was maybe one cash tournament a month in, in Ohio, wow. if that, maybe once every two or three. And then you come up to Chicago and there's 20 every weekend, especially during the summer. Yeah. So it was completely, complete 180, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is my first summer, full summer of playing competitive cornhole. So like I've been looking at the calendar around here and I'm like, oh man, I got way too many commitments right now. It's just every week yeah. I'm just bang, 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 bang. And a lot of them, like a lot of the ones around here, we do Friday night and Saturday all day. So, I mean, you're like committed for the weekend wow. almost. So you're doing hotel yeah, rooms exactly. every other weekend, you know, going places, but I mean, it's good. And, and the thing that maybe I, I'm, you guys have your ACL family now, you know, with all the people you meet traveling and whatnot, but I would say that the cool part about the cash game life or travel life is you get kind of your core group of like 30 Minnesotans or Chicago people that all kind of, you all see at all the cash tournaments and stuff around that maybe yeah. aren't, maybe aren't pros, but they're all kind of that the fun group to be around, which is kind of what we still have going on around here. Yeah. And, and I guess like same thing for Chicago, when I first moved to Chicago, because there were so many cash tournaments, 
there weren't that many like set partners. People were just grabbing whoever, yeah. like, because there are so many tournaments out there. Hey, you guys go here. I'm going to go here. There's a 600 tournament here. There's one for 500 here. You guys go in that. And people just grab whoever they can take for the weekend. Yeah. And in Ohio, there are so few of tournaments and everyone just had their set partners. Oh, there's a tournament coming a month from here. You know, set partners are here. And it was just completely different in Chicago. Everyone just plays with whoever. So that is funny yeah. talking about that. Cause yeah, around here, like I played with one guy Saturday. I have my other partner I played with two weeks ago. Like, it's just kind of like, I don't know why not. We're friends. You're good. I'm good. You're also good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right, you know, yeah. but I feel like there's a, there, there's, you know, there's the fun part about being the, a pro and competitive RP and a pro. And then there's a fun part about being a cash game tournament. And I think a lot of the people listening to this too, like there's people that strive to be pros. There's locals here that really want to be pros and they're traveling to an ACL, but you can have just as much fun or make just as much, if not more money playing cash tournaments too. So don't, don't feel like pro is the only option if you guys are good at cornhole and just want to keep sure. around and playing. So um, what do you think is the most, you know, misunderstood thing about being a pro either by a normal player or by an advanced player like you've been in it so long you got those reps in but like what do you think is kind of misconstrued by someone who's maybe coming up and wants to be a pro that is like oh i you know i I totally get it i mean like from the outside world i think just people do look up to you or you know people catch your name or see you places that you would never even think of um, there's so many people that come up to me and say, Hey, like you did great there, you know, whatever we, we saw, we're watching cheering you on. And I'm, that doesn't even cross my mind when I'm in the moment, but it is, it is definitely cool to see that, you know, you're looked up to, or you're impacting someone or like they, um, you're giving them motivation, you know, to be better. There, there's have people come up to me, ask for, you know, tips on my grip or my throw or why I throw a certain way. And they say that like, they like, you know, my, my motion and want to model after. And, you know, that's not something you're, <laughs> you're thinking about when you're practicing or yeah. playing or, or anything. You're like, this works for me. Like, I don't know why anyone else is, you know, modeling it the same way. So I, I think that is definitely something that, you know, hits home more than it used to just because there's such a big following. And it's only growing from there. Oh yeah. And, and I would say that I, I was, I was talking to Michelle Thompson about this too, which is, I think it's, it's uh cornhole is a very unique thing right now and it's growing, but at least in its current stage that the community as a whole and almost everyone in it is overwhelmingly positive in terms of support where like, you know, like you being a pro, like 99% of people talking to you are going to say like something positive to you. Like, wow, you did a good job or I was watching this or doing that. There's yeah. not yet a ton of, you know, just constant critics or negative stuff coming at you all the time, which I think is, <laughs> That's really, really true. Yeah, yeah, which is a really cool part. Same with me being in the content space, which is like normally you put yourself out on YouTube, you got to deal with all this random hater crap coming in. But I've yeah. been very lucky that this community is overwhelmingly positive, even when stuff goes wrong or even when you might struggle. I'm sure people are still overwhelmingly positive yeah. about what you're doing, which I think uh, I, I think is very beneficial to trying to be a pro. And especially with how many young kids we're seeing now making pro or making high level tournaments and whatnot, I think that really welcoming community is really crucial for them at that age as well to not feel uh, ostracized. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it's, we're at the point where everyone's just wanting content. So why put anything down or whatever they, they like it's, we're exploding and the more content out there, the better for sure. 
Oh yeah. So they're, they're going to embrace, they're going to support everything. Yes. I know. I just have to get big enough that when a pro player decides to finally do it, you know, cause they'll catch me. So they know way more than I do. So I'm like, I got to get big enough faster. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, there's definitely an itch for content. I mean, like you look at anything, I mean, dude, I, I posted that video of how to throw a bag flat and my bag's not even that flat, but I just posted a tutorial on it. It gets like 400 views a day. Cause there's just so many people trying to learn the game and learn how to do basic yep. things in cornhole, you know? And I saw a stat, I bring this stat up all the time, but they're saying right now that 12,000 people are finding out about competitive cornhole a month right now. So I mean, just think about how I did not see that, you know, it's crazy. I mean, all over the country, but still it's like just that many people every month are like, Oh, what's a blind draw? What's a, what's a rosin filled bag? Like all this kind of shit. So give it how many more months. You said 12,000. So if you get 10%, you get 10%, 5% actually like follow through and, you know, start, Com- competing oh, yeah. at like a social level oh yeah and that's big well that's yeah. what we talk about all the time that's a big like, number you know if you look at pro last year versus pro this year you know because they look at the stats right the ppr last year median ppr was yeah. like 8.6 and this year it's like 9.7 like it's a full point higher this year just in ppr base give it one or two more years with that many people joining the hobby where the heck is this gonna go you, to be top 100 you got to be a 10 yeah. ppr player soon like what, the, what are we looking at you know it's just getting crazy i yeah i i that's why i think like eventually the acl is gonna have to do something at these nationals i think double elimination tournaments just aren't gonna cut it you know you you show up and everyone there is good and if you go oh and two you're you're done for the day you go 0-2, there could be, you know, the, a top 10 player that goes 0-2 and, and then they're screwed for the next national because they're seeding. And there's only four or five events to set for the, the pro status for next year to make that top 100. And you're basing it all off of two games. Mm-hmm. And and it's just going to be a snowball effect because your seed's just going to be terrible from event to event going forward. And you only have five events. That's two two games potentially if you go if you go oh and two so that's 10 games if you just keep going on two i think i think you know they're gonna have to build or do something more because everyone's gonna be so good and that's yeah. just a lot of pressure and a, and a lot riding on you know those those two games and if everyone's so good the, i don't know the standings just aren't going to be necessarily accurate well we're you already need, starting you know, to see that i mean look at people like matt morton oh, exactly. matt morton's outside the top 100 and last year he was like 30th right it's just like or i mean like those top 250 i mean every almost every player if not every player in that top 250 is the best player in their local area or they're one of the best players in their state right where it's like oh so oh they're only ranked they're they're outside the top 100 it's like but i guarantee you they crush everyone in their region like it's just it's such a level of cornhole that it's so hard to like you're saying to keep up with and the seating thing is huge i mean if you if you're like the hundredth seed or something and then you got to play matt guy first round it's like well that was fun good job you know it's like you're only gonna plumb it it just screws you off from going to the next national and i think they just need a bigger sample size because everyone is getting so good and you can't just like expect to have a couple easy wins and for the 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 standings to be right at the end Mm -hmm. so there's no easy wins it's intense i mean no exactly there's no easy wins and you know go ahead no, I, I was just saying, yeah, there's no easy wins and there's so much riding on being that top 100. They want those standings to be correct. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if you're doing such a small sample size, the standings aren't going to be correct. Well, and Mike Morton was talking about that. The, the more the information ACL. taken in, the more. Oh, sorry. Mike Morton oh, yeah. was talking about that in around the ACL, which was uh, that 
like the top 100 after last year after national two was only like 15% the same after national five. Cause there's such a small sample size. It just wow. jumps around like crazy because it's just like, you could be 170th and then take second in your bracket. And now you're 70th because it's like such a small yep. point spread. Uh, that I mean, exactly. And whether it's what they do, you know, like whether it's like, all right, you get X amount of points for finishing first, second, third, and do like a round robin, right? You get one point for every win, and then you get a bonus point for taking fifth, two bonus points for taking third in your bracket outside of pool play. Something that gets you just more points in the pool where it's like, all right, if you still have zero points after two events when we've given you five guaranteed games, then you should be bottom 200, you know, 250. But if if you're going exactly. three and but, but one, there just needs play, to be more leading into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going three and one every pool play and then you're getting a tough bracket draw, well, you're good enough to beat tier three pros, right? So you're probably like a tier two to tier 1.5 pro, right? You can't, you're not in the upper echelon yet, but you're not 240th. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the way it's broken down right now, that's, it's five tournaments. Like that's not a big sample size at all. You know, and then, and what's worse about it is, is one leads into the next. So if you're screwed up at the first one, you're screwed at the next one. And then your whole season's probably going to be all impacted by that. Yes. The top, top players, you know, the Matt guy can, can get himself out of that. But if so many people are so good and so closely grouped together, it's, it's tough to make your way out of that. Oh yeah. And I mean, I mean, think about anything with double elimination, like, like you can, anybody can beat anybody in one game. I mean, is it, am I going to beat Matt guy? Probably not. If he misses 40 airmails and I don't miss a bag, I could beat Mac. Technically speaking, I could beat Matt guy, but it's, is yes. it going to happen? Probably not. But in a one game sample size or a 10 game sample size, you can get screwed over. You can get one bag break that hangs up on the whole one missed airmail one here and there. How many games do you lose? 21, 20 that don't count for yeah. shit. Yeah, my my first national, my two losses, I think were twenty one eighteen and twenty one nineteen or something yeah. like that. Like they were by a, a couple of points. Yeah. But then on the stat sheet, when they go to around the ACL, oh, Dave Morse went 0-2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, brutal. But, exactly. Uh, exactly. So, what do you think is the the hardest part about being a pro? Do you think it's just the constant pressure where it is right now? Do you think it's the mental game, consistency, the the travel and sleep? Like, what what do you think is so hard about being a pro? Um, in the past, I would say it's just, you know, working around a schedule and, and just trying to figure out what events you want to go to and the travel. But now I, I'd say just the competition now, I mean, this, this year has taken such a big jump and the pressure is definitely on for people. I mean, the, the days of being like a part-time cornel player, they're going to be coming to an end. And I think people are starting to realize that like you, you can't skip, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, a couple of years ago, I was practicing every day. Over the past two or three years, I haven't been practicing. I would just go to a blind draw, maybe playing a league. I would play once or twice a week if that. You know, I think, I mean, I going into this year, I knew things were going to be different. And I'm one of the few people that have started, you know, rededicating my time and started practicing again. I, th I think that's just going to be the new norm. You know, you, you have to put in the three to five hours a day if you want to be successful and maintain your pro status. Well, I think that's that's the toughest part, just you it's also like the, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 yeah, I also, I, we're on a, a teeny delay, so uh, whatever. Uh, but the, yeah. uh, I mean, you saying that you're able to roll the Viper bees and you used to throw carpet bags and stuff me or from 
watching outside in to be a pro it's almost going to be at the point you need to have every shot in your arsenal you need to have a mad guy yeah. 65 to 70 percent airmail you got to be able to roll and cut if you need to if the airmail is like not safe your push shots got to be clean you got to be able to throw blocks you got to be able to step out you know how many pros still don't step out they just push through or they slide up the middle and Good it's point. like it's like how many times could you just bully it out of the way or take the middle control back you know play more chess like cornhole and and you're starting to see now with matthew Creekiller winning a national alex hicks is winning like flipping everything that isn't a national but still doing really well all these control yeah. style players are starting to see a good amount of success. They'll always be the fastback players, right? I mean, if Matt Guy makes 99% of his slide shots, he's always going to compete. But you're going to win, yeah. But you need to have more shots available to you. And I feel like as the years go on, every single player is going to be able to roll every bag. And every single player is going to have a 70% airmail. And every single player is going to be able to slide every bag. And it's and and the players yeah. that don't practice and learn how to fix their little holes in their game are going to fall real fast. And that brings up a good point. I think if you have a weakness of, in your game, people start to realize it and can will be so good that they'll be able to bring that out of you and, and you know focus on it. If you have a bad airmail, if someone's airmail is better than you, they're going to be able to force you into airmail like situation almost every frame. And I think people will start to learn other people's weaknesses and being so good at controlling bags that they can put you into those type of situations. If you can't roll a bag, if you can't push a bag, they're going to make you push a bag every single frame. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people will start to learn that. No, and that's huge. I mean, and that's in every sport, right? Like if, if you're a football team and you yeah. and you're and your right defensive back is out and you got the dude from the practice squad, guess which defensive back is getting thrown at 45 times in a row. <laughs> it's like, oh. you know, I mean, it's, it's, yep. it's like with every sport. And yeah. I mean, when Matt guy loses, it's because they block force him to shoot air mills and he misses a couple air mills. I mean, you have to force your opponent to do the thing they don't like doing. I mean, in Minnesota, yeah. I don't know how Chicago was pre ACL, but in Minnesota, everybody throws fast bags. And so you throw up a block and everybody looks at you like, what the hell is that thing? What am I supposed to do with that? Right. And and we're starting to get people that are better at air mails and stepping out and cutting and pushing through. But it's, it's amazing how, when you start playing a chess game against people that have been playing checkers for years, they're like, what the hell are you doing? This isn't how you play. And I'm yeah. like, let's go, <laughs> let's shoot air mails, <laughs> you know, but that's all. I mean, that's so true. How you say that. I mean, there's so many people I play against show up with gen one game changers. It's like, all right, center block. What are you going to do? Walk. yeah exactly so, exactly well it's cool you said it's cool that you've picked up practicing again and realizing that because i my fear is that you know um in around the acl trey and uh, anthony were just talking about that if they redrew the captains for the team event because the last year the team event was the top 12 players if they redrew captains none of the captains would remain the same which is bonkers uh wow. because none of wow. the top 12 captains are top 12 right now um, so that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and look at the captains. They're all very, very, very good. It's just, it's just hard to be that consistently good. And, you know, players like you and, that have now started to practice, but how many, I've talked to how many pros that are like, ah, I don't really practice. I just play blind draws. Well, it's going to get to the point now where it's like, you know, LeBron James still practices. He has to, you know, I mean, like you can't just play blind mm -hmm. draws. Exactly. So, but, yeah. it, and I, I never really thought blind draws were good practice. Yeah. No, no. I mean, and you're out having fun with your buddies and having some yeah. drinks and throwing whatever bag, you know, you're not throwing your you, designated bag with your partner flocked in. 
you you play for 10 minutes and then you sit for 45 you play for 10 minutes you sit for 30 40 minutes you know and you're just it's not consistent practice it's not that good and like you said you're throwing whatever bad you're you're just having a good time yeah and also i mean like how many times in blind draw do you get two good players versus two good players in a game that actually lasts 20 minutes in his actual practice true I mean, true that's you, a different mindset yeah yeah, yeah. i mean 90 percent of the time in blind draw you're like all right well you know this that here or other someone's gonna score it's not like all right it's me and noah against matt and brett and we know that everyone is good and everyone can score it's it's just that's a completely different mentality it's completely different yeah. that is very true so is there any specific players that you think you play well against or poorly against is there anybody that's got your number right now or you got theirs so th- there's definitely one player that kills me every time, <laughs> kills me every time. And he knows this. We, I mean, and this, this goes back to days prior to the ACL. This is way before ACL. And he's a new ACL pro, but he's been around the game forever. He just didn't, you know, become an ACL pro. That player is Terry Mathis. <laughs> Terry Mathis has always destroyed me. I don't know what, I mean, and he, he came into the ACL and never was like, oh, you know, he's a rookie. No, he's been playing the game and he's been a top, he's been a top 20 player in the world, you know, since before I even I was playing. So he's been around the game forever and he can, he, he plays a smart game and he can hit every shot. He can, he can push, he can airmail. He doesn't have the prettiest bag in the world, but it doesn't matter. It goes in. But he's got your number. Yeah. He kills me. <laughs> Seriously. And he knows it. We joke around about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dude, and on the flip side of that, good. Go ahead, go ahead. We can talk about Terry. No, no. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, it's well known that Terry has my number, and I, I think it's hilarious. But um, on the flip side, a top player that I, you know, do pretty well against is I would be. I would say Adam Hisner. I've I've known Adam, you know, since I started playing and. I've always played against him pretty well. We, I mean, yeah, yes, he's beaten me times, but we usually have close games or, and I've come out on top against him, you know, multiple times, like um, a couple of years ago when the ACL had the devour man of the year, you know, they took the top, whatever, 32 pros or top 32 players in the country and invited that everyone to the single elimination tournament where winner got $10,000. My first round matchup was Adam Hisner. Everyone's picking Adam Hisner. I told Trey Ryder, I was like, I beat Adam all the time. I'm not afraid of playing Adam. Like, I'm going to beat him. Sure enough, I beat him like 21 to 6, 21 to 7, or whatever it was. It wasn't, you know, so I, I've, I'm comfortable just playing against Adam. We joke around. We always have good games. Um, so I, I would definitely say that's, that's a flip of the Terry Mathis, where he crushes me 90% of the times we play. And we talked earlier about how mental cornhole is, but do, do you think that like, so let's say with Adam or with Terry on a positive and a negative note, do you think that you get an advantage or a disadvantage mentally going into that game? I would say, yeah. I mean, if you're comfortable playing against someone, you know, you know, you're loose, you know, you, you, I mean, everyone goes into the game thinking that they're going to win or has a chance to win. I mean, if you, if you're not, then that's a terrible <laughs> mindset. You're going to, yeah, you're already done. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, now Terry and I will joke about it, so I'm more loose, but, you know, a couple times in, you know, my doubles partner back from Ohio, Daryl Hag, was always like, Terry kills you. He kills you every time. So, like, after the first three, four times it happened, I'm thinking about that. Oh, yeah. 
you know? And now, now it's a lot more loose and, and joking around, but I definitely say there's a, there's a mental edge there if you're comfortable with someone versus if you're not, if you're confident there or, or if you're not, there, there's definitely affects your game. Yeah. Do you, do you find, is there any style of player that you like or dislike to play against? You know, you got your Damon Dennis, crazy slow players. You got blocker players and role players. You got only fast side slide in players. Is there anybody that you would rather play against or not play against in terms of play style? So speed doesn't matter. I, I play, I, I play against, you know, people that play slow. I can play against people that play fast. That, that doesn't matter at all. Um, I would rather play against a player that likes the board dirty. Um, I feel like I can, you know, manipulate the whole, you know, move my bags around better than almost anyone in the country. So I, I like playing that game. Um, another style that I like, I like playing aggressive players. Like Matt Guy, I've had success against Matt Guy, um, just because you know you can bait him into going for stupid shots. Like he'll yes, he'll hit him, but I mean, if he misses one or two of those, those are big rounds. Um, and then on the flip side, I'd say I, I don't like just playing like slick side players. It's just boring to me. Yeah, I, I don't like going hole for hole. Yeah, I'll go hole for hole with people. Just it's just not fun. No. So that, that would definitely say it'd be, I mean, I wouldn't say I get bored during games, just like I might start focusing on like, there hasn't been a block in a while. Let me throw up a block, you know, like let me have some excitement in this game. I don't want to just put 30 in a row, both people, and we get zero points out of it. You know, it's, there's nothing worse than making 27 out of 28 and you give up two points because the other person made up 28 out of 28. Well, and I tell it's, people all the time, fun. I think the hardest shot in Cornell, uh, and, and I'll live and die by this, is the on-purpose block. I think the block is the hardest bag to throw consistently in the middle because if you miss left or you miss right, it's out of play and it's a bumper and your opponent's hole is eight inches big. But if it's perfectly in the middle, then you get to manipulate airmail. You get to kind of control the hole. But I think if you if, if your goal every round is throw a block right in the middle and not like accidentally like the board's a little slow and you meant to slide and it stops and blocks and looks cool but like if you're like i'm gonna throw a block i think that's the hardest one to do every single round yeah and i mean for for me my my worst shot is like a back block if someone has if i have a block <laughs> someone else has a block and then i need to put another block there i'm awful at that that's probably my worst shot that i i need to work on yeah, it's tough. For, it's tough to practice. I no one wants to practice sit there and practice <laughs> Throw back, back blocks. blocks. <laughs> um, yeah, like I really, you practice playing ghost games, deck rounds, whatever. Just practice games. No one just sits there and throws back blocks for 10, 15 minutes every day. And that, that's probably my weakness of the game. That's definitely the hardest shot for me. See, the funny part is I, we're going to get to the point that the best players in the world do sit and practice black blocks for hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> you true, know? true. You know, if you're like, this is the worst thing I'm at, you probably should be sitting there for six hours just throwing back blocks as, as shitty as it sounds. You just got to do it. <laughs> yeah, but the issue is you either have to set the bags up, walk to the other hole, correct, other board, put, yep. put back blocks there and go remove them. Or you have to be able to throw a perfect block and then block behind it. Like either way, it's it's not going to be easy to do. There's going to involve a lot of walking. And I'm too lazy to set up bags, go move them. Hey, don't you know, worry. We'll get to the point. We'll get to the point yeah. soon. You make enough money, you just hire a guy that sets up back blocks. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have you're gonna have your own. Like, yeah, like NBA players have people that pass the balls and you know train with them. <laughs> Coral players will have their own 
trainers that you know, play practice games with them. <laughs> they set they set up drill, drills for them yeah. to play. You know, focus on different things. Yeah, same yeah. thing. Nah, that's, that's funny. Hopefully, I, hopefully someday soon. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think we're far off in terms of. We're getting like for such a simple game, there's so much to it. And I think that's what a lot of people that maybe aren't in the competitive scene deep enough haven't figured out that like once both players are good enough to go hole for hole 15, 20 in a row, you know, and then you can go to the level of all right, I'm blocking, then you're cutting around, then I'm pushing, replacing, then we're airmailing, like this level of gameplay that it's like every round there's a smart and an aggressive choice and which one's actually right determined on the score mm-hmm. and there's so much mental game to the game and when can you go aggressive yeah. should you stay safe you know when is it worth giving up points you know laying on it's, it's it's so crazy how deep the game goes and so i think as people see it more it, it's you don't realize how deep the game actually is yeah i mean that's that's uh, that's a big reason why this is exploding you know it's it's easy easily accessible you can play indoors you can play outdoors you don't need a lot of equipment um it's relatively cheap i mean unless you're getting 500 bags but um you know the the, the equipment's cheap and you can you can transport it easily but it's different than like bowling or darts where what you do affects your opponent you know if, if you're playing someone in bowling they throw a 300 what are you you can't do anything about it you can't do anything to block it you know cornhole you can throw a block you know you can you can push bags you can go over their bag you can go around it that's that's different you know there's actually a chess you know part of this game rather than just me versus you who gets a better score you know yeah and i I mean there's a I mean, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's so, but, and also another point about the easy accessible, like there's no almost athletic, um, performance necessarily. I mean, you could be a 12 year old that's never played before. You could be a 300 pound dude that like can barely walk. It doesn't matter if you could throw a bag at the hole. I mean, we have a player, there's like that dude on Facebook that has like no arms and no legs or whatever. And he's on the ground throwing bags and he's good. It's like it's such a simple mm-hmm. game, but then it's so mental and so so much strategy to it. Yeah, you, you'll you'll hear these top players. You know, some of them were former athletes. Some of them probably have no athletic ability at all, and they're still top players. You know, yeah. they're still ACL pros. Mm-hmm. So people can come from any background, and you know, become successful if they dedicate themselves. So what do you think is the most common mistake that a normal player makes? Do you think it's just a consistency thing? Do you think it's being too aggressive? Do you think it's not being aggressive enough? Like when you go to an event and maybe someone's like a good advanced player, but you're like, dude, you're just, you're, you're not there because of X, Y, Z. I think it's just like gameplay, like strategy, like just not knowing what shots to take, like shooting airmails in dumb situations, chasing bags, pushing when you should have blocked. I think it's just simple gameplay things. You know, when I get matched up with players and buying draws, I, I, I like to talk a lot and, you know, talk about strategy and, and what shots they should take. Um, there's been players that come up to with me and say, I wouldn't have thought of half those shots that you told me to take. I was like, I, they, they, they're just no brainers to me. Sure. Like, what else were you going to do there? Like, you know, why, why were any of those other options and you know an actual option you know it, it just i think a lot of those players just need to really think about like mm-hmm. okay if i do this what is my player what is my opponent going to do next and then what does that leave me with you got to be thinking ahead and what what are going to be the results of your actions 
And I think that's just where people really struggle. And once they figure that out, their game can jump to the next level. And I think, I think too, like one of the things that blows my mind or blows people's mind the most when I say it is that sometimes making the bag in the hole is not the right shot. Like, yeah. like if they have a block that's, somewhat yes. on their side and you just bully and take the middle, that's better than making it. Cause now they have to yeah, deal with if, your bag. <laughs> yeah. If, if they have a bag hanging, don't put your last one in because that's, that's easier for them to drag. I mean, if they have a bag hanging, your bag's there. It makes it way tougher for them to drag it. Who cares if you throw a 10? If you, if you put it back, them in, they drag their bag. It's a 12 on 12 watch. Make it a little more difficult for them. Yeah, I mean, I tell people this all the time. If you make your opponent's shots harder than your shots over the course of a game, you'll win. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Because if, if everybody could slide the bags in. So if it's easy for me all the time and it's hard for you, you're going to make more mistakes than me because I have less hard shots. I mean, it's just, it, it yeah. makes sense when you say it, but some people are like, oh, wow, that's weird. Or like, we talked about this a second ago, the step out thing, but it's so true. Like if someone lays a bag somewhere in the middle and I can step out and bully into it, it's like most people are like, oh, I got a block behind or, oh, I got an airmail. It's like, dude, there's so many other chance opportunities or things you could be doing. You know, I think people think yeah. there's like two shots. It's like, there's like 40, dude. <laughs> like, which way do you want to go? <laughs> like, yeah. What are you comfortable throwing? So, I mean, but yeah, it's cool talking about, and I think I think the the uh, the trouble right now with the, not the trouble but the ESPN thing right and I was talking to Trey about this they have to keep it quote unquote dumbed down or easier to listen to for the viewers that you know don't watch a lot of cornhole but I think it's really hard, it's hard because I want to talk analytically when I do commentary but at the same time you kind of have to mesh analytical with just like normal talking because it's not everyone can understand. The thought process. That's why with the Cornell vlogs yeah. that I do, people like them because I'm talking through, oh, I was thinking this, 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 and I ended up on this because of this, you know, but there's 97 things happening. Yeah. And I, I get what they're saying. I mean, yeah, you got to dumb it down because half the people don't know any of those shots, what, what players can actually do. Like it blows people's mind when you tell people you can actually curve around things, you can roll, you know, you, you have different options. They're like, what do you mean? You just it, you throws and goes straight. Like the fact that people can actually curve bags is always like mind blowing for, right. for beginners. So for the casual audience, you know, it's, it's tough to describe all those things, but at the same time, I think some of those like higher level shots are the things that really, you know, gravitate new players in just like, holy shit, they can, they can actually do that. That's crazy. Like I've, everyone's played this game before, you know, they, they know how the game works, but like seeing that, like the advanced level shots, that's cool for the everyday person to be able to see. I'm just waiting for the first person to land an on purpose penguin on TV. And then Trey trying to explain that he tried to do that. Uh, but so being on the big stage streams, uh, TV, any kind of nationals, do you feel like you've gained a different level of confidence? Do you think playing on the stream takes a different level of like, you know, chops, like earning it, like learning how to deal with it, that kind of thing? Yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to get there and, you know, validate, you know, all the hard work and, and practice and over the years, you know, that you've put in. Um, but at the same time, I, I still think back to, you know, my roots, like where I started and, and everything where I came from. So um, it, it, there is some confidence, but you don't want to get satisfied. Um, and that's something that, you know, I have done in the past just because 
I try to do other things outside of Cornell. I still have a girlfriend. I still want to have a social life. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, I've gotten pretty good. You know, like I don't need to play five days a week. Sure. You know, and then that's what, that's, that's the downfall of it. You know, you, you want to, you want to stay hungry. And I, I think that's what people need to do. And that's what, you know, I've, I've gotten back to doing over the past couple of months is, you know, truly dedicating myself and, and back to practicing like what I used to. And I think a lot of people are, especially pros that maybe have been in the top for a while and maybe aren't this year are finally starting to realize like, you know, I'm not going to get on TV every event. Like if I don't grind, yeah. like, like it's like those, those, those opportunities are becoming more few and far between that you have to capitalize when you have the opportunity. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your throwing style because I would say you have a pretty unique release. Uh, like, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure yeah. you've seen it on video, but it's, it's a unique step side push thing that you do, but have you always thrown it that way? Did, have you ever like, were you ever looking on video? Like, man, I look different than everybody else or. Um, to some degree. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with my grip. I probably grip it different than 80 to 90% of the players. Oh, really? How do you grip um, it? I, I like mo most people, you know, put their four fingers underneath the bag and their thumb on top. I put my fingers over the corner of the bag. So you throw it almost like so, Doug's aft? Because he does I, like that I, like, full yeah. wrap like this, right? Yeah, I'm I'm exactly like that. Okay. So the, I, like I said before, we kind of taught ourselves to play. And, you know, I always use the example. People ask me, like, why do you throw that way? And I always use this example every single time. If you're trying to spin a flat object and, you know, have it spin flat, you're not going to grab your fingers here and try to somehow spin it like this. It's going to be wobbly. Why wouldn't you put your finger on the corner and really spin it? How, how are you going to get more rotation? How are you going to get something to actually spin flat? If you like, if you're throwing a Frisbee, most people put their finger on the, on the edge to actually like spin it flat. And you're not going to grab something like this and somehow make it spin flat. You're going to put your finger here and spin it. So I've, I've always just kind of spin it, you know, hold my bag that way. And um, because of that, I think I throw harder than a lot of other people. And um, that's kind of just, you know, my, I think my emotion has, has kind of evolved from there, you know, throwing stickier bags and, and wanting to be able, be able to roll and stuff. I think it's just kind of evolved. Um, so it, it does look different, but it, it feels natural to me. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's always effective. kind of been that, that same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I can make 40 in a row if I need to. I mean, not consistently, but you know, <laughs> I, there's been times I've made 40, 50 in a row. Um, I can also airmail. I can also roll, you know, I can push. I think, I think my pushes are a lot better than a lot of other people's as well. Just because I, I do throw hard, I still have, um, you know, some high high spin on that bag. So, so in terms there, of the I roll mean, shot, the, down, the, you, the uh, downside is. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But how did you get into throwing the roll shot? Like, is it with like did you just see someone doing it one day and you're just like, I want to add that to my repertoire? Like, where did that? Because I know it's kind of it's common now, but you've been around for so long. Where did that come from? Um, I think it it, it came from. I think my bag just naturally always had an upward tilt just because I always threw stickier bags and the stickier the bag, you know, the harder it is to slide up the board. If it's, if it's, you know, down to the front or, or, or completely flat. 
So I, I think I always kind of tilted it upwards just because I always threw suede. Um, and a lot of like the nationals or majors were always super sticky boards. Um, so I think, I think over time, I, my bag just always kind of had that natural tilt. Um, and then probably a lot of it came from when you would go to tur- like cash tournaments with bad equipment, because I had that natural, you know, tilt, my bag would naturally bounce over bags just on, you know, bad equipment. And I just would always play that bounce. Um, and then once carpet bags came around, like I, I figured like, okay, if I throw it the same way, you know, it's, it's pretty similar to what I've always been doing. It's it kind of just made sense there because I would go to those cash tournaments with bouncy boards. I couldn't get it to land normal. It would just be <laughs> bouncing every single time. And, and I could, you know, um, play with that that tilt there to make it bounce higher or farther, you know, just depending on how many blockers, how many, how high the blockers were, where on the board the blockers were. So like on those, on those cash tournaments with, you know, the bad equipment, the bouncy boards, I could, you know, play with the tilt of my bag to affect that bounce. So when the carpet bags came around, it was, it was very similar to that. Just you, <laughs> you would work your tilt, you would work how, how the bags spun and, and it just, it just made sense. It was natural. To me. So you're doing, I really, you're I really didn't a bounce have to work shot before all. there's a roll shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, that makes I mean, sense. with cord, cord bags, bouncy boards, you know, two, three foot boards, you know, that boards bounce. So and there was a lot of those tournaments here in Chicago when, when I first moved up here. A lot of corn bag tournaments, a lot of just random boards. All all the boards have different legs. They all have different <laughs> bags. You know, that's just that's just how it is. Yeah, people take uh, so, take for granted these uh, these nice three quarter inch double support braids, double leg boards we got no now, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Shit, I I've played in tournaments up here where there's no cancellation scoring. So if I score, if I we both throw four baggers, it's twelve to twelve. Oh wow! Yeah, That's so there's there, there some crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, ultra cornhole. So you, you threw carpet for a while and stuff, and then uh, you know you're now with ultra. How did the ultra opportunity come about? So I've I've known Mark Pryor, you know, for a couple of years now. Um, ultra is obviously one of the highly respected, you know, good standing companies in 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 cornhole. Um, we've talked in past years about working something out and I've just always, you know, been with, with other companies. Um, he, we talked again this off season and, you know, he, he, he made comments about just the, the new bags that he, he was coming out with, you know, the, the Viper B and the, the carpet down the line. And I already knew like what he had and, you know, obviously everything he makes is, is great and, and it's highly respected and there's a want for all of it. Um, so by the time we got to talking, it, it just made sense. I mean, we already had a relationship before I've hopped on some of his live streams and done some commentary with him at past nationals. Um, he's, he's an engineer. I, I have an engineering degree as well. Um, so there, there's mutual respect there as well. Um, it just all kind of made sense. And when he was coming out with new bags and he was saying he wanted, um, to grow his team and just have like top pros on his team. I've always wanted to be a part of that, you know, uh, wanted to be with one of the biggest, best companies in the country. Um, so it was kind of a no brainer since from there. That's awesome. So how, how has it been so far being part of the team? I mean, there it seems like you guys are always together for pictures and it's a huge team. There's tons of pros. Like, has it been pretty welcoming being part of that? 
I would say for sure it's welcoming. We have, we have our own group chat with all the sponsored players from, from ultra. We chat in there. We have questions. You, we shout them out either or Rich or Mark or someone will chime in, you know, have an answer from you for you. Um, on top of that, I would, I would just say um, a lot of these companies, a lot of people make promises or talk to you about their goals. He's delivered on all of them. You know, like he said, I want to do X, Y, and Z. That's going to happen when he when he says that. Um, like he he took a chance and did all these pro releases, these pro picks. You know, this year that was something he had, had talked to us about in the beginning. I've had companies you know talk about that in the past, and it just never comes to fruition. When Mark, you know, Mark has a plan, he's going to stick with it. Um, he's very thorough. He's very organized, and I I I love that about him. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's really important to have a well-working team and, and to know that, like, you know, that your concerns and stuff actually matter or that your input actually matters or that you could yeah. possibly have. I think be, the chance that you could actually have an input on something if it would affect X amount of people and even consumers down the line and then they actually value that opinion is is a good relationship as a player in a org. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's what we have with him. So, I mean, it's, it's been great. So Noel Almanza and you are partnering this year. You know, how did that combination come to fruition? Obviously, he's been with Ultra a little bit longer, and then you come in. Did he just need a partner? Do you guys been talking in the past? Like, where did that kind of come from? Um, so this is this is Noah's first year with Ultra oh. as well. He wasn't with Ultra last year, um, but you know, Sutton and I partnered last year, and then before that, I was with Mike Chuck Was um, just always kind of had bag issues before, before when I was with Mike, it wasn't that big of a deal because it was kind of just sticky and slick. He threw slick side after sticky side. It wasn't that big of a deal, but as bags, you know, have progressed so rapidly, like I've, I've realized I wanted a slower bag and Sutton wanted a faster bag. Um, so I, I wanted to find someone that, you know, was versatile and, and could definitely throw something that I wanted. Um, Noah fits that to a T he can throw anything. I mean, he threw, he threw carpet bags at the pro qualifier where he had one loss and qualified. Then it, he'll turn around and throw wipers, you know, like it, it doesn't matter to him. He, he can throw whatever bag. Um, on top of that, he's from the area where I, he's from Ohio, where I, I used to play. He transferred to Ohio State. So he goes to Ohio State now. I graduated from Ohio State. We have that little connection. Um and I knew Noah even before I moved to Chicago. When I was at Ohio State, Noah was still playing. He was a young kid. Um, and he would come around. Um, so I, I knew him before. And then once I moved to Chicago, I would still see him popping up at some of the tournaments that like were kind of in between, you know, the Indiana area or the Michigan, some of the Michigan regionals that I would head out to every once in a while. Um, so I, I still would see him, see him here and there. And I saw him take the leap. I mean, he over the last couple of years, he, he really wanted to, because before he was kind of just playing with his dad. Um, and I saw him take the leap in the skill level and then he showed up at the qualifier and I mean, he, he, he was lights out. Um, so once he qualified, I was looking for a partner. He had mentioned to me that, you know, to keep him in mind, I was previously with kill shots and Austin had been playing with Noah quite a bit. Austin would pick up Noah for tournaments. They would, they would, go around and play some cash tournaments. So he was always in my ear saying how, how great Noah's really gotten. And people don't really realize how big of a leap Noah has taken. Um, everyone realizes that now, but 
Um, at the time, no, like the national media really hadn't noticed that yet. Um, once I started talking to Ultra, Ultra was on board with Noah. They, you know, they mentioned that Noah and I, he thinks that's a great fit. We have the connection with Ohio State, with Ohio. Um, so once once Ultra said that they wanted Noah, like we ran with it. There was, there was no questions asked. Awesome. I mean, you guys have been making a good team, and, and I think – I mean, bag selection is huge. So I was going to ask, what do you think is the biggest key to the double team? You kind of went into it a little bit because, in, in my opinion, it's the same thing. Which yeah. is just, you know, if if I get to throw the bag that I'm in love throwing, and my partner is in love throwing it, it makes the game so much different than having to compromise in a bag. And like you said, with Noah, he could throw literally any bag. I've seen him throw psychos and then throw like viper bees the next game. You know, it's just it's it, you know, and yeah. it's, I mean, and he's got such a such a flat release and stuff, and, and just the way that he throws the bag, I think it's just lens to that but it seems like you guys have been not only having excess success but it seems like from a chemistry perspective you guys enjoy to play together and usually have pretty good chemistry off the courts as well which i think is huge yeah i would say our playing styles are very similar too like um when we're going through shot selection i think we're pretty much almost always on board with uh the shot like the correct shot or like when we're talking through what we think we should do almost we're always land on the same on the same term so I think that's key as well. I mean, just having someone that wants to play the same style of game that you want to play. Well, yeah, and especially if you're if you consider yourself one a competitor and two a smart player, right? If you can rely on your partner yeah. to make the correct decision and you don't have to say it, it takes a lot of the pressure off you where you're just like, "Oh, he I trust For that sure. he's going to make the right choice." Like I don't need to tell him. He knows exactly what the smart pick is here or the aggressive pick is. And then vice versa. You could be like, "I'm confident that I can go for the roll shot because no one knows that it's the right shot." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, half the time I don't have to say anything. He doesn't really have to say anything. Um when I when I do see him looking at something, I usually ask him what he wants to do and he tells me, you know, the option he's what he's weighing. And then I'll tell them when I'm weighing, we usually always come to agreement and it's usually the same thing. Um, so I, I think that's just huge as well, along with the bag selection. I think those are the two key components of, of making a partnership work. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so a little bit of a practice routine. You said you're getting back into practice team. I, and you kind of answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask, but do you have a go-to practice routine other than just playing ghost or decas? I mean, is there stuff you like to set up? Do you like setting up situationals? Do you like shooting X amount of air miles or do you just kind of just slide, just do whatever feels good? So usually when I, I first get there, I'll, I'll just grab a handful of bags, you know, 12, 16 bags and I'll, I'll just throw, um, just throw down and back just until I warm up. And during that I'll work on sliding in the hole. I'll work on pushing, grabbing bags, air mails, rolls, just, you know, a little bit of everything. Once I'm once I'm warmed up, then I, I start doing a little different games, you know, ghost games, stack rounds. Um, what I like doing is I also like you know practicing airmails. I'll throw a hundred airmails. I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll get ten bags and throw ten rounds, so it's a hundred airmails. Ten bags, ten rounds, hundred airmails, and that that will just give you a nice easy percentage of what's your airmail percentage. Um, doing that once a day or, or you know handful times a week, I think that's always beneficial i mean throwing 100 air mails in a row is, is always nice mm-hmm. um and it, it gives you a straightforward percentage of, of where you're at and then you can gauge yourself from there um what's your best hundred my best hundred it's not as good as i would like it my best hundred is at 66 okay so um, you're not a jimmy mcguffin 96 um, no i but <laughs> i i've i've always 
I've always struggled with like open board air mail. So like yeah. after that, I'll start putting bags in front of, of the hole and, and, and going from there, you know, you're stacking the bag three, four high and trying to shoot arrows over that. I think that's good practice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, open bag airmail or open board airmail is just, it, it just looks different. You, you, you never get that during a game. So, um, yeah. So I, I do a little bit of that. Um, I mean, you're telling me you don't, also, you don't showboat a little during the game, a little open board airmail action. <laughs> that's not me. I'm too conservative for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Maybe maybe, a, maybe an and one for a win. That would, that would there be you go. Uh, how are you? But so then you're still focusing on. Do you consider yourself good at dirty bagging and wanting, or do you think that's something? Because I I've heard people say like Brett guys talked about it that he's like practices it and is good at dirty bagging, and some people are like I'm terrible at it. Like, I, is it a skill? I feel like I'm better at it than most. I wouldn't say I'm amazing, but I, I think I'm better at it. I mean, I think I'm worse at dragging bags. I'm not <laughs> I, for some reason. For some reason, dragging bags just like they don't move, or I, or I miss because I'm focusing on it too much. Dirty bags, the complete opposite. Because I just want to hit the hole hard, and for the most part, I'm pretty straight with it, and I throw a hard bag. So. If I, if I hit the right spot on the hole, dirty bags come into play quite a bit. See, and I'm so. not the type of guy that's like, I'm dragging like second or third bag because I like I, <laughs> I can drag, but I can't dirty bag at all because I throw this high airmail. I ain't got no no low yeah, my My airmail's lower, and I can make it go even lower if I really want to smack the whole heart. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right. Well, do you have any uh, any advice that you would give to up and coming players, like you know, people that are maybe grinding or maybe struggling or or about to get there? Like, is there anything that really helped you or anything anybody told you is like a advice point? I mean, just put in the work. Um, Dave Weiser always said, if you want to be good, play five times a week. Don't complain people are beating you and they're too good. Just put in the work, and you can be just as good as them. Um, if you put in the work and have the dedication, the results will come. Um, nothing's a straight line up. There'll be some roller coasters. There'll be some highs and lows. Um, but just don't give up with it. Like you'll see those, those lows will get higher. Um, and everything will come with time. And I was just on the girls for two podcasts with Michelle and, and I'm going to steal her segment now. Cause I like it at the end, but if you got headphones on, what's playing? What's playing. Um, so I, I have like a small shuffle. I have a small playlist. That I just put a shuffle. I, I skip through those songs, but it's it's mostly rap. Some some Waka Flocka, some <laughs> Jeezy, some 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 hard hard harder rapper that you know it's it's it'll pump me up a little bit. What uh what TV show are you watching right now? What TV show am I watching right now? I'm in between stuff right now. Let me think of what I just finished watching. Couldn't even tell you what I just finished watching. I mean, I watched. I just finished watching some movies like Dune and The Batman and, and stuff like that. Um, I went back and rewatched Entourage, but I had seen that. Have you seen um, uh, Ted Lasso yet on Apple TV? No, I watched Ted not, Lasso. No. There you go. There's your homework. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And then uh, favorite food? Um, like mashed potatoes. <laughs> all right i would make guess that i mean like 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 entree wise like pizza stuff like sure. steak but i mean like just well-rounded like to, side dish man mashed potatoes yeah potatoes man 
All right, like, well, I, like people ask me, like, hey, if, if you can only eat one food for the rest of your life, I would choose a potato. You can you know, make it fries. You can make it baked potato. You can make mashed potatoes. That's that, that's my go to answer every single time. I like it. That's a that's a, that's yeah. a good. One. Well, why don't you do some shout outs to anybody, sponsors, friends, anything that's helped you get here? You, you shout out whatever you want. You got got some time. Yeah. Hey, I'll, you know, no, I'll give a shout out to my sponsors. Ultra Cornell, obviously, they make the best bags and they're the most respected bag company in the country. So, big shout out to them. Um, on top of that, I'll, I'll say Merck Boards. Um, that's where my practice facility is at. And he lets me go over there pretty much whenever I want. Um, even if he's working or whatever, he always makes time and room for me. Uh, he'll have some releases coming out soon. So, be on the lookout for him stuff, all of his stuff. It's, 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 a lot more innovative and newer um, cornhole related equipment that will be coming out that, and there's not much else out there like it right now. So definitely be on the lookout for anything that Merck boards is release releasing. Um, and then my last sponsor would be Daverns, Daverns Tavern, um, just a local bar here in Chicago. Um, they run, they run a big bags league, blind draws. They have a huge uh, beer garden. So if anyone's ever been in the Chicago area and wants to, check out a nice beer garden with some cornel boards. They, they can fit up to like 14 sets out there. Um, big shout out to them as well. And then just friends, family, whatever, all, everyone for the support. Awesome, man. Well, uh, what's the rest of your season look like? You know, you got the shootouts coming up. You got, you know, do you doing any more opens, any more are you maxed out on regional points? Like what, what's kind of your goals for the rest of the year for events? Goals rest of the year. I mean, my, my main goal coming into this year has always been to win a shootout. I want to win a shootout. It doesn't matter if it's singles, doubles. Ideally, it's it's one of both. So nationals are always there, but um, shootouts is, is definitely where I'm aiming for this year. Uh, I plan on going to all the shootouts unless I win one. So the only one I'm not going to right now, I think, is Washington. Um, but besides that, I should be trying to hit all the shootouts. Um Open wise, when I'm not going to travel to any more opens unless they're at the shootouts. Most of the shootouts and opens start to line up going forward, so I'll be playing in those. Um, and then down the line, Spencer McKenzie's is also I'll be on the radar. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'll be a fun one. Kind of, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I've I've had success there in the past, so um, definitely trying to. It get definitely back to it uh, lends its hand to the low hard throwers with that much wind. Yeah. <laughs> if you got a low For hard sure. throw, it definitely helps. Yeah. So I got I got fourth out there a couple of years ago, you know, and then the year Baldwin and Canva won it, we gave them their one loss that year. We put them in the losers bracket. So had some success and nice. Trying to yeah. Trying to win it this year though. All right, man. Well, really appreciate you joining in. I think that was a lot of really cool insight about the ACL in general. I, I do think that the as this game progresses, the format is due for an overhaul in terms of the point system and the way to qualify yeah. and the way to you know stay in the pros. Because I think right now it's very lended to it's harder right now to stay in than it is to get in because it's such a revolving door. And I think it needs to become more of a yeah. harder to get in and easier to stay once you finally make it kind of thing. Um, you know, ultra bags, obviously check out the Viper bees and Vipers are, and all their other bags are going to release it, but the widow bees just released new carpet bag. That's on the website right now for like 95 bucks. Check out a set of those. If you like carpet, it's yep. their first carpet in a while since the Raptors, but, uh, you know, ultra making some awesome, awesome bags and you're obviously having success with them, but 
Good luck to you and as well as you and Noah this year, man. I really hope to see you guys on some of the TV and in the winter circle a little bit. And uh, I know hanging out with you a little bit in Iowa, I really enjoy you as a person and your personality. So I, I hope you continue to success this year, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, really appreciate you joining. Everybody listen, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Really great time here with Dave, but hope you guys have a great rest of your day and rest of your week, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks, guys.